So get set, go, vamos. Red Cloaks Radio is a production of the Boston Red Cloaks. Hi, this is Jesse with Red Cloaks Radio. Really excited to be joined today by my co-host. Martha from Boston Red Cloaks. Karen from Boston Red Cloaks. We're excited to continue a very important conversation with our guest today, Dr. Deshaun Taylor from Desert Star Institute Family Planning and also Julie McGonagall. Hello. Thanks for coming hey back. There. We started out by talking about what it's like in terms of looking at Arizona landscape from the point of view of provider of healthcare. And we were just thinking about how politics that have been playing out over the last couple of years have really made a, a big impact on people who are trying to access care. And Julie, I wondered if you could jump in because you recently ran for office. What's it like um, in that atmosphere? Sure, it's terrifying because the values that I that Arizona voters share and then who they elect, there is such a vast disconnect between the two of them. That's one of the reasons why I've become involved with the Arizona Handmaids to help educate people about what their politicians are actually doing in office. But to just give you the legal landscape, I'm an attorney, I've been practicing for 15 years and I give about 500 hours every single year to reproductive justice causes. But Arizona is a terrifying place for someone with a uterus because Arizona still has a felony abortion ban on the books. And what that means is that if Roe v. Wade falls and keep in mind with our new Supreme Court majority that that might even be a foregone conclusion, it's going to be our local county prosecutors that have the most impact on everybody's reproductive destinies. And that's absolutely terrifying. So the way that played out in Maricopa County, which is home to the third largest prosecutor's office in the nation, is that I ran against a, a Trump conservative who at time and time again said that she would prosecute people for having an abortion if Roe v. Wade were to fall, only to flip-flop on the, on, the, uh, on the debate stage uh, in late October and say, no, maybe, maybe that's not a good idea. And I think that was in part because of, of the polling. Somewhere between 60 to 80%, depending on the polling of Arizona residents, do not want to see people prosecuted for abortions. Yet we still have that law on the books, and we have this new terrifying law on the books that creates fetal personhood in Arizona for the first time ever. And it's scary. Yeah, let's talk about, this is SB 1457, I think it goes by. So can you just give people an overview of the details of what that means? Sure, so uh, SB 1457, um, which passed by the slimmest of majorities uh, here in Arizona, said that a fertilized egg has the same rights, privileges, and immunities as you or I. It says that a pregnant person no longer has the ability to get an abortion if that abortion is because of a genetic abnormality of the, the fetus or fertilized egg. And it also creates a private cause of action um, for a pregnant person's parents or partner to sue them if they choose to get an abortion. And presumably, uh, you know, the, the fetus will get represented in court, which is just, it, it, it speaks to something from Gilead, which is why the Arizona handmaidens have been out in full force educating people about how bad this pill is. So this, let's just break it down. So this means, for example, someone finds they're pregnant and they find that they have a fetal anomaly um, and they choose to end the pregnancy for, you know, whatever that anomaly is, they could know the fetus is not going to survive outside the womb and they want to end the pregnancy. They can't, that's, they can't do that. They can be sued for doing that. 
Absolutely. Now, this is we're talking about under the law, and we know the law itself is pretty patently unconstitutional. It flies in the face of the Supreme Court's holding in Roe versus Wade. But as we were saying in our last conversation, we know the Supreme Court has been packed by people who have been appointed who openly indicate that they don't support the holding in Roe versus Wade or subsequent holdings that outline our constitutional rights. So in terms of fetal personhood, um, I'm not sure that people have really thought that through. Can you give us an example of, you know, what does that mean that when you say they could get a lawyer? I mean, how does a fetus get a lawyer? Sure. So first, let me tell you that I'm not speaking at all on hypotheticals, that there have been a number of states who've gone down the path of fetal personhood, and it always ends the same way. So for example, in Alabama, we saw a woman who was indicted uh, for murder when she was shot in the stomach by someone else. And the prosecutor in that case argued that the woman had a duty to keep her fetus safe and that she should quote unquote, not seek out, what was it, unnecessary physical altercations. Uh, we've seen persons who have experienced stillbirth and miscarriages be prosecuted. We've had uh, police interrogate people um, as to whether or not they wanted their, their child, whether or not a miscarriage was intentional or, or something else. We've seen pregnant people who have fallen downstairs, who have taken legal drugs who've been, that have been provided to them by their doctors, um, who've had false positive drug tests, uh, who are addicted and who need help. All of them have been arrested prosecuted and separated from their families as a result of these sorts of fetal personhood laws. And it, it is no surprise, like all criminal laws, they disproportionately target people of color. And there have been uh, documented, as of the last uh, journal article that I've seen, which is still 10 years old, over 200 such prosecutions against pregnant people. When you talk about Gilead, that is exactly what Margaret Atwood is painting a picture of. So it would be a world where people who are unkind or cruel or abusive can threaten someone that they'll turn them into the police if they don't have control over that pregnant person's body. So I'm looking back at you, Dr. Taylor, and I'm thinking, let's articulate what kind of pressure does this put on a provider? Well, there are criminal charges for physicians in, in this bill. And so it should the law actually be um, executed in our state, then people would no, no longer have access to abortion. I see this as a backdoor full abortion ban because if a fetus hat is a person, how are we supposed to provide abortion care? So we're still kind of waiting for the complete legal analysis of this, we're still waiting for the Department of Health to write rules around what this really means. The people who wrote this bill would like us to believe that it's really about um, protecting uh, people with genetic abnormalities that are not lethal. You know, people who actually do live into adulthood and potentially have lives that someone can think of as normal. And so really they're saying these criminal penalties only apply to abortion care related to those things. But I have to ask again, if a fetus is a person, an embryo is a person, then how are we supposed to provide abortion care? So I, 
as an abortion provider, I am still kind of waiting to hear from Arizona exactly how they plan to apply this law. Um, one of the things that I want listeners to understand is that once the governor signs a bill, there still has to be rules made about how the provisions of the law are actually executed and how they would be enforced and, um, and surveyed, et cetera. And so that still takes some time to happen. And so in the interim, those of us who provide abortion care, we're having legal analysis of these things and some type of advice on how to continue to move forward in the interim. And so they are kind of in this holding pattern right now. But I will say that there are already a significant number of people who are attempting self-induced abortions. And so we would expect that that would rise significantly and that we would be in a situation where though we are not providing uh, direct abortion care, we'd probably be doing a lot more miscarriage management. And I will share that I visited Zambia and I actually was party to a situation where there was a woman who was 13 weeks pregnant with twins and she was in the process of what appeared to be a spontaneous miscarriage. And in Zambia, abortion is legal, but it requires signatures from the father of the pregnancy and um, the, the physician, any type of physician, as well as the pregnant person. And so she arrived to the, to the university hospital at the Capitol and physicians, all men started to interrogate her about whether her miscarriage was induced. And I was there and I was like, um, wait a minute. There is no way that you can prove that this person induced her miscarriage. All you know is that she's in the process of, of uh, passing a pregnancy. And while I'm here, police will not be called on this woman. And this is just ridiculous. So at least I saved one person from going to jail <laughs> in Zambia but I was just appalled. That is, what, that is what we are introducing into the state of Arizona. Like interrogation for every single miscarriage, criminalization of people who are just trying to live their lives and things happen, and they happen to be pregnant. It's a very difficult place to be in as someone who has committed my life to ensuring access to abortion care. My particular practice would not close as I provide um, other types of care and miscarriage management is already a robust part of my practice um, and I would be able to scale. However, I am concerned about other uh, providers in the state who really don't have a diversification of the services they provide and um, and what would happen to those people. And I am just, you know, I'm concerned about the people of Arizona in that it's already difficult. And 
as Julie mentioned, the people who are going to suffer the most are the, our most marginalized uh, populations are uh, Black, uh, Latino, Indigenous people, our poor people um, who just don't have the resources to be able to leave the state to, to get the care they need. We already know that people who live close to California oftentimes will go to California um, because of our restrictions that we already have in place here. We already know that people who live close to Nevada actually go to Nevada um, to, to get their abortion care. So we know that's already happening for people who have the means to do that. And so that's, that's where, where we're heading. And we know that we know right now abortion is legal in all 50 states, but the reality is these laws, when people read the news, um, it frightens them, it intimidates them. And if you're with a partner who's not supportive, it again allows them to use fear and intimidation to prevent you from making the decision that you wanna make about your body or that you need to make for your own health, your own mental health, your own physical health, your own economic ability to survive. So how can people help? Because people across the country saw the news headlines, saw the handmaids in protest in Arizona, and it catches your eye, but you know, big media, it comes and goes in a day. And you're still having to fight this fight every day. So I'd love to know from both of you, what are some ways that we can help? I think that I'll let Julie speak to some of the activities that, that are happening on the ground, um, grassroots. I will say that always people from afar can donate money. Um, that's always- okay. That's great. That. How, how do we find you? Do, tell us your website. Like I'm sure people will want to contribute. For me with my nonprofit, as I mentioned, I train future abortion providers. I also provide long acting birth control in the form of the um, Lailetta IUD to uninsured people. And we also provide doula services to black pregnant people who um, otherwise would not be able to afford it. And so if people wanted to support those activities, you would go to our website, www.desertstarfp.org and donate there. There are also the abortion funds who not only provide assistance to people accessing the actual abortion care, but also some um, tactical support as well in terms of, you know, people need to drive a long way, they need to have in a hotel, they need gas money and those type of things. And so our uh, abortion fund here in Arizona is the Arizona Abortion Fund. And so people could Google that. You know, those are the, the two things that I think would be very helpful because as you mentioned, Jesse, abortion is still legal and very, but very difficult already to accept, to access for people here in Arizona. And I just want to repeat that website address is desert, one S in desert, desert star FP as in family planning, desert star FP dot org. And we will put that up in our, in our post as well for people to look at it. Um, Julie, how about you? What are ways you see in terms of activism that we could support you from wherever we are? Absolutely. I mean, giving to Desert Star Family Planning is an excellent first start. You can follow the Arizona Handmaidens, who are a decentralized activist collective of badass intersectional feminists uh, on all platforms. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. Um, 
but our main goal is educating the public about just how bad it is here in Arizona and what's at stake. So sharing our stuff, follow, like, uh, would be very appreciated. That's simple and easy and we can totally do that. What are hashtags so people can look out for? Hands off AZ is what we've been using to fight our most recent fetal personhood ban. And then you can expect over the summer as we see how the case plays out in front of the United States Supreme Court, uh, further activism because Arizona is just, it's one of those states to watch. It will literally be overnight that abortion could be criminalized uh, where Roe v. Wade to fall here in our state. So and for stay tuned. For listeners in Massachusetts, we just went through a two-year fight to pass portions of something called the Roe Act. But people need to really understand that if the Supreme Court recognizes fetal personhood, the laws we passed in Massachusetts will not protect us. And I think there's a misunderstanding that if the Supreme Court recognizes fetal personhood, they have a lot of things they can decide to do. What we really need is we need to have Congress pass and codify Roe versus Wade. We need to have laws that actually protect us at the federal level leaving things to the states isn't working out all that well, as it turns out. Not when it comes to our fundamental rights. Yeah, Julie. And maybe that's time to chime in that if folks are on um, on social media, we have a holdout Democratic, and if you're watching, I'm an air quotes Democratic Senator here in Arizona, who is not willing to, to break with Senate tradition in order to help codify some of those rules. So if we're gonna get this passed, we need to lean on Senator Cinema and Manchin to abolish the filibuster and codify Roe v. Wade. Yeah, without with, with a filibuster in place, people don't even have to do what they used to do, which is put their feet where their mouth is and stand, right? And stand for a day. They can just threaten. It's the same fear and intimidation tactic that they're putting in these state laws and that they're that they're using with this filibuster. It really makes a difference to us to hear from you on the ground in the state. It's very different that Karen's holding up her postcard. Karen, hold it a little lower. Karen's got a postcard for listeners. She's got the constitution with her Ruth Bader Ginsburg saying women want in. Um, we, we'd like to see that equal rights amendment pass as well because we're not in the constitution. It's, it's, uh, it's not an equal playing field. Thank you so much for the work you are both doing. Thank you for spending time with us. We could talk to you much longer, but we know you both have a lot to get done. And just thank you. Thank you. It was, it was a pleasure. Great, great meeting you. Wonderful conversation. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hope to see you again. Right back at you. You've been listening to Red Cloaks Radio, a production of the Boston Red Cloaks. Find us at bostonredcloaks.com and have a great day.